Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Simon Barrett, and this is another edition of the Week in Reviews, a chance to sit down one-on-one -on -one with someone in the entertainment business. My guest today um, is a, a very gifted musician, Brian Coombs. He's part of uh, uh, a band that uh, is called Rocking Horse Music Club, and they have just released or about to release um, a new uh, album, Which Way the Wind Blows, which actually uh, is a... Um, a, a a nod to um, the original uh, Genesis um, guitarist, um, Anthony uh, Phillips. Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me. Oh, my. The pleasure is all mine. Now, just for our uh, our listeners... That there is humor already in this program. Um, Brian is calling me from London. He's obviously an American. Uh, and uh, I am talking to you from deepest, darkest Mississippi. And I'm obviously not an American. So... The joys of uh, computers and technology. Anyway, Brian, let, let's uh, start with um, a little bit of background. Who is Brian Coombs, and who are the Rocking Horse Music Club? Some very fair questions, and questions that were asked a lot. So... Um, I am primarily a record producer, and I am the owner of Rocking Horse Studio. It's um, one of the few remaining large-scale, world-class recording facilities left in the northeast of the United States. And we do quite a bit of work with singer-songwriters and artists who don't have their own bands. So over the years, uh, I've drafted in some of my favorite musicians and musicians that have come in on other projects. And um, we've kind of formed our session band, kind of modeled after Phil Spector's Wrecking Crew. Um, so we've played together on tons of records that uh, we've recorded at Rocking Horse. And, you know, prior to that, I was in a band myself and a songwriter myself. And, um, you know, the first 10 years of the studio, we were busy recording other people's music and weren't, didn't have much of an opportunity, uh, thankfully, because we were, we were always so busy with other people. Um, we didn't have much of an opportunity to do any of my own songs. So um, Patrick Goches, who's in Rocking Horse Music Club and also fronts his own band called The Hats. And Justin Cohn, who's the lead singer of um, Rocking Horse Music Club, and he's an acoustic folk singer-songwriter. 
they were two guys who came in with their own projects and we hit it off as people and we hit it off as musicians. So we started um, writing songs together and um, that led us to recording our first album uh, again, along with Eric Wagley is a drummer who's um, been playing with me for almost 10 years now at the studio and Myron Kibbe who's a guitar player who's been with me just as long. Um, so between those two guys and Justin and Pat, we did, we basically took our studio band again, like the Wrecking Crew or the Alan Parsons Project. And um, we became a real band and we, we put out a record and we did a, a little tour in the UK. Um, again, I mentioned that I was in a band previously. I was in a, a prog rock band called Tristan Park back in the 1990s. And we were signed to a small label over here in England and did quite a bit of touring in England and on the continent. So all of my contacts really were here. And uh, we managed to get a little bit of airplay on Radio 2 and some regional BBC play. And that was enough to um, entice us to come over here in 2018. And, um, you know, then we finished that tour cycle up and we thought, what's next? And um, that's where the Anthony Phillips um, project enters the equation. And if, if you want any follow-ups or if I'm just talking too much, let me know. But otherwise, I can tell you about the genesis, pun intended, of the, uh, the Anthony Phillips project. Huh. I, actually, I, I do have a question. Um, okay. Genesis uh, was a band that... I really, really liked in my uh, teens. Um, I, I view Genesis as um, Peter Gabriel and then the other guy. And I'm not nearly so keen on Genesis with uh, the other guy, a.k.a. Um, Phil Collins. Um well, where, yep, where, where, where does um, where does uh, Anthony Phillips um, fit into the uh, Genesis uh, timeline? Well, Anthony Phillips is pre the other guy, so <laughs> before the other guy joined the band as the drummer, um, Ant had said goodbye to the guys. And um, Ant went to Charterhouse um, along with Peter Gabriel and Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks and um, was there at the start um, of Genesis, played on the first record from Genesis to Revelation, and then played on Trespass. And I was actually, Ant and I were on a London news program uh, earlier today, and I told this story for me, and again, this this shows how everybody everybody comes across the Genesis. The first Genesis record that I purchased in real time uh, was Abacab, of all things. And I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. I thought the song Abacab was okay, but then no reply at all just felt wrong to me. Um, but there was something about the band that I thought I'll – now, again, I was probably 13, 12, 13, 
I thought, let's explore the back catalog. And again, in the days before the internet, the next record I picked up was Trespass. And I was a liner note person. So I saw, okay, look, this Anthony Banks guy is obviously Tony Banks. And Michael Rutherford is Mike Rutherford. But who's this Anthony Phillips? And who's this Peter Gabriel character? And let alone, who's this John Mayhew guy? And where is the other guy on Abacab? Why is he, you know, so it was a complete mystery to me. And it, it took purchasing each of the records to kind of figure out, oh, there, there was a personnel change here. Um, so at my, my third Genesis record um, was Wind and Mothering. And I would go so far as to say that my two favorite Genesis records are the two records they did immediately after Peter Gabriel left the band. To me, a lot of the magic went out after Steve Hackett left. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, with you look, listen to a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of beautiful moments on um, Trick of the Tail and um, and Wind and Wuthering, and Ant agrees. And again, I think a lot of that is the pastoral 12-string guitars. Um, you know, Steve Hackett actually just performed in Boston about three weeks ago, and uh, Patrick and I uh, were on the guest list because I've, I've become an acquaintance of Steve over the years, and he he performed on the tribute CD. And, um, you know, so we, we met him before the show, and uh, he mentioned our show from the stage and gave a shout-out to Ant as far as being instrumental in the development of that early 70s Genesis sound. And I thought that was, that was such a wonderfully cool gesture on Steve's part to mention us and, more importantly, to mention Ant's contribution. Right. I'll tell you what. We, we've been uh, yabbering on here. I, I vote we uh, play a track. Um, I I think uh, I'd like to start with uh, Paper Chase. Let's play it, and then we can... T- here it comes.
from Ant's second solo record called Wise After the Event from 1978. And um, ah. I think that tune, I think, again, I think that tune really encapsulates and really, really shows, because we our arrangement, although it was a little bit modernized, it really does show with the 12-string guitars and the mellotron and the vocal harmonies that were all, in, all pretty much in Ant's original. It really does show how influential he was in Genesis, um, you know, I think I've told people that that song sounds like something that could have come out of, um, you know, Selling Would Buy the Pound or, or Wind and Wuthering or Trick of the Tail. Right. Did, 
um, Mellotron. What, what an amazing instrument, if you could keep it working. Um, did you use a real Mellotron, or is that um, uh, a Mellotron uh, Electronica? Uh, no, that's an original Mellotron from 1976. That was uh, wow. That was a holy grail. Yeah, that was a holy grail instrument for me for years and years and years and years. And um, I finally found one in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, um, about 15 years ago now, and um, it was in great working condition. And um, I was very pleasantly surprised at the asking price. So uh, my wife and I borrowed my sister's minivan and drove to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to uh, to pick it up. Yeah. I I can't remember uh, who it was that I was talking to. I I think it might have been the uh, late Keith Richards. And um, he told me a story about um, Mellotron's um, ELP decided to briefly flirt with one, and uh, of course, in typical uh, Keith Richards uh, fashion, um, they they took it on tour, uh, and um, right. one of the stops was a festival, and it, it was a terribly uh, damp day, and <laughs> they started the set. And the Mellotron just got worse and worse with each note played because the uh, heat and the damp was making the yeah, tape the humidity. stretch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard stories, um, again, in my role as a producer, uh, I was lucky enough to, uh, to have Ian McDonald from uh, King Crimson play on a record. And he cringed when he saw my Mellotron. Like, he never wanted to see a Mellotron again ever in his life because he had to tour with it, right? To me, it sat in, it, it sits in the studio. So um, we're able to maintain it. It's humidity controlled because we have quite a few instruments, including the grand piano and the Hammond and everything else that need to be controlled humidity-wise. So our Mellotron is in really good shape. But I will admit I do have um, a digital Mellotron uh, for these upcoming live shows because I wouldn't be that masochistic to try to transport a Mellotron or hire a Mellotron over here in England. That's just way too many things that could go wrong. So the digital, the, the small digital Mellotron, and I can actually, that fits in my carry-on luggage, which the original does not. <laughs> yes. Boy, uh, the, the, the joys of uh, electronics. You know, what what used to be, uh, you know, the, the the size of a room, um, right? It, it, it is now something that can fit in your pocket. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only person that has uh, listened. To this really great album, um, what, what sort of feedback are you getting from people? Well, feedback has been almost entirely positive. Um, 
you know, when you when you when you when you undertake something like this, there's always the risk that you're going to do something to somebody's favorite song that they don't like. And we took some liberties. We took quite a few liberties on this record because the way we looked at it, we approached this project as if Ant's original versions of the songs um, were demos and we were producing a record for somebody who just wasn't with us in the sessions. And that happens. There are a lot of times where a singer-songwriter will come in and he or she will put down their parts and then leave the rest to us. So that's how we approach this record. And, um, yeah, like I say, you always run the risk. Uh, There are certain things that we made more complicated, but for the most part, we streamlined and we took things away. And I think people get upset when you take things away, uh, even if it's, um, you know, five seconds of an intro to a song that, again, my role as a producer working with other people is I'm constantly trying to trim the fat is what we call it. Let's get to the vocal faster. Let's get to the chorus faster. Uh, Because as much as I love prog rock, I'm also a huge pop fan. And I, uh, you know, I grew up one side of me was listening to Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd and The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway and The Doors and, and that stuff. But the other side of me was listening to The Beatles and The Raspberries and Badfinger and Squeeze. And I loved both sides of that. Uh, you know, Brian Wilson uh, era Beach Boys. And I loved both sides of that. And... Um, and that's frankly that's that's something that I like about ant music is there is some intricate playing and there is the pastoral aspects and the textures, but there are also some really really beautiful melodies and i'm I'm very much attracted to melodies and vocal harmonies, so we put a lot of vocal harmonies on the record and on that subject, I vote we uh take another track out for a spin um Named after the album, this is um, Which Way the Wind Blows. Here it comes. Technical hitch. (laughs) Try again. Now we've got the right...
Thank you, sir. Let's talk about what you're, uh, what, what you and the band are up to. Um, I understand that uh, you're going to be doing some live uh, shows. Um, where are they at, and when are they at? Okay. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of doing the live show um, really came about from a conversation that I had with Michael Clifford, who's the managing director of a really fantastic venue in East Sussex called Trading Boundaries. Um, He and I have become friends over the years through connections with um, Steve Hackett. And um, he had asked me a couple of years ago if I wanted to put a band together to do a, a tribute to one of the Genesis solo projects. And I said, yes, if it can be Ant Phillips. Um, Because what I found fascinating about Ant was he has this entire beautiful catalog of solo material that, um, you know, maybe a lot of people maybe just didn't hear it because, uh, you know, with his stage fright, it was stage fright that um, caused him to depart from Genesis. Um, With stage fright, he wasn't able to go out and promote his solo records with live shows. So I think a lot of people, uh, you know, might've missed out on, on, on some of his stuff. Um, so when Michael proposed a Genesis solo thing, I said, yes to ants. It didn't happen for the Genesis weekend that we were talking about, but we kept that in the back of our brains. And um, back in January of this year, uh, he and I met with ant to discuss the possibility and we were only going to go forward with it if Ant gave his blessing, and he did. So we put two dates on the calendar back in January, and here we are almost uh, almost time for the gig. So it's uh, the 15th and 16th of November at Trading Boundaries, which is in Sheffield Green in East Sussex. Uh, but prior to that, if you're, if you're listening in the United States and happen to be in the Northeast, we are doing one warm-up show on Sunday the 27th. So I actually come back to the United States from this little promo trip that I'm on right now in London to do this warm-up show at the LaFaro Center of the Performing Arts. Uh, Jerry LaFaro has named his converted barn in Henniker, New Hampshire, uh, the LaFaro Center of the Performing Arts, tongue firmly in cheek. Uh, but Jerry is a prog rock fan. He's a talented artist in his own right. And um, he's converted his space into a, a really nice little intimate concert venue. And uh, Brand X has played there. And Tony Levin and his Stickman project have played there. And Robert Berry has just played there. So it's, uh, it's, it's actually become kind of a destination stop for prog rock acts when they're coming through the Northeast. So we're doing that on the 27th of October. Wow. Um, one thing that we do need to talk about is to do some shameless, and I do mean absolutely shameless, commercialization. Where can people buy copies of this very fine album. Well, thank you for asking. If you're in the United States, uh, 
the most efficient way, I think, is just to visit rockinghorsemusicclub.com and go to the shop and um, purchase it there for the United States. If you're listening in England, uh, Burning Shed is a wonderful organization who are the uh, kind of the exclusive providers of the record here in the United Kingdom. And if you're on the European continent, uh, Just for Kicks Music out of Germany is uh, where you'd probably find the best prices. I mean, we can ship anywhere in the world, but um, it'd be less expensive if you're in Europe or the United Kingdom to purchase there. Still working on a distributor in Japan and Asia, but uh, you can always get in touch and we can figure something out. Absolutely. That that's the way to uh, handle it. Hey, if, if you need something, just ask. We'll figure Indeed. something out. <laughs> yes. There, there's one last track that uh, I, I really want to play. Um, I, I was listening to the album uh, this morning, trying to, uh, you know, figure out questions uh, that I wanted to ask you, and um, basically immerse myself in the music. And uh, I, I already had two tracks uh, uploaded and we've listened to them and they're uh, very fine but I came across track five something blue and I don't know what it is about that track but it it just uh, lures you in you know you (laughs) once once you're in yes stuck there. You've got to listen to it again and again and again. So let's play it just one more time. Although it's now on my uh, computer, so uh, I'm sure it won't be the last time I listen to it. Anyway, here it is. Easy Close your eyes and stay You don't have to Right. 
and uh, Evelyn responded to something blue. And, uh, you know, again, I have to tell you that my frame of reference, where I wanted to see it go, was Burt Backrack is actually who I had in mind. And I modeled the arrangement after a Burt Backrack ballad. Um, the chord sequence seemed to lend itself to that. So that's why you've got um, Wesley Thurber, who is a wonderful singer-songwriter, playing trumpet for us on that track. And again, Evelyn's vocal was smoky and just kind of evocative of a jazz um, type of being in a smoky jazz club. Jeremy Harmon is an amazing cellist, so he's playing on that. So those were kind of the influences, definitely not Prague, and, um, you know, definitely one that might um, be a head scratcher if you're coming to this just for Prague. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I listen to uh, lots and lots of uh, music, um, different genres. In fact, my, my next uh, mission is actually to uh, uh, listen to uh, some solo piano uh, stuff. Um, I, I just love music. Well, if, if, if you like solo piano stuff, let me give a, a, a little plug for Ant. He has a, he has a record called uh, Ivory Moon that came out in 1986. It, it has been re- remastered and re-released. It's one of his private parts and pieces albums. It's all solo piano, and it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, in in my mind, there is no bad music other than uh, rap. <laughs> I I just can't uh, I I I just can't handle rap. <laughs> but well, I tell you what, uh, we've we've had yeah, I mean, we've had the opportunity to work with a couple of rap artists at the studio, and one project that we're particularly proud of. We all we played live instruments, so it was rather than just beatboxes and and made up synthesizer grooves. It's real bass drums and guitar, and it's pretty cool. As long, for me, as long as the message is positive, I'm okay with it. Once it starts getting, um, you know, negative energy, that that's that's yeah, I'm not interested in that. Right. Okay, I'm uh, looking at the clock and. Uh... As always, um, we're completely out of time. Um, that that nasty woman that um, was nagging us before the program started is back nagging me that I need <laughs> to go away. <laughs> um, Brian, I really, really want to... Uh, Thank you for uh, taking time out to uh, talk to us today. And I want to wish you every, every, every success with uh, which way the wind blows. Um, any well, thank uh, parting you. Thank words you so much. for us? No, if um, you know, if if our if, if our tribute record can shed some light on how wonderful Ant's music is, go find the originals and um, see for yourself. 
I am uh, going to uh, seek it out. This is Simon Barrett wishing everyone a happy, healthy, and safe day. We'll be back again soon with another edition of the Week in Reviews. Till then...